Exodus chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, the Word of God says, And Moses answered and said, But behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken unto my voice. For they will say, The Lord hath not appeared unto thee. And the Lord said unto him, What is that in thine hand? And he said, A rod. And let's pray. Lord, thank you for this portion of Scripture, two verses out of just a amazing story, an amazing story that we could learn so much from. But tonight we just have the truth before us. I pray you'd speak to each heart. Give me wisdom to know what to say. Fill me with thee. Forgive us of our sin. Give us ears to hear. And Holy Spirit of God, please speak to each voice and, and glorify the Son. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I just want to give you one truth tonight that has two very simple parts, and it's almost embarrassing the simplicity of what I'm going to say, uh, but we find great power in the fundamentals, don't we? I remember back when I played basketball, uh, the first two weeks of the season, the coach wouldn't even let us touch a basketball. And we used to get so frustrated, like, why wouldn't you let us touch a basketball? Uh, because we needed to learn some fundamentals. And then after we could touch a basketball, the first several practices, we couldn't shoot at the basket. We'd practice dribbling and passing, just fundamentals, basics. And we find a lot of power in the fundamentals uh, of Scripture. And there's just a thought I want to give you this evening that is simple, but yet exceedingly powerful. The one thought is, uh, you can serve God. You can serve God. And we all know that. Well, of course we can serve God. I mean, we all know it mentally, but so many Christians don't. So many Christians don't have a place of service. And yes, we can serve God in, in the personal ways, our walk with Him and how we live our lives, uh, how we act every day, striving to be like Jesus, those types of things. But the Bible clearly wants us to have some sort of public ministry, uh, some sort of ministry where we are going outside of our families, outside of our normal daily routine to influence people for Jesus. And it amazes me how many Christians don't have some type of ministry. They're not involved in a specific ministry. And ministry could be anything. Uh, we're not going to go into all those details today. But some way of serving God that takes you outside of your comfort zone, that uh, allows you to have a broader influence than just at work, at home, at the store, those types of things. So the, the main truth this, morning, this, this evening is you can serve God. I mean, you can serve God. You can make an impact. You can make a difference in somebody's life. You could help somebody be saved. You could help a youngster grow up and have a different kind of life than if they grew up without Christ. You could have a hand in saving a marriage. You could have a hand in getting someone uh, away from addictions or perhaps helping them never get addicted at all. You can have an eternal impact, and I mean every single one of you. And there's probably someone listening saying, well, not me. Yes, you. I mean, it's so simple. Uh, you can serve God. You can make a difference. Now, the two parts that I want to mention to you tonight, again, exceedingly sinful, 
There's two steps necessary to serving God. The first thing you do is give God what you have. The second thing you do is add what you don't have. And I'll take just a couple minutes and uh, on each of these and unpack them for you. But again, you can serve God. So simple. Well, how do I serve God? Well, what ingredients are necessary? Give Him what you have. Start adding what you don't. Here in this story, we pick up on our text, Moses. This is before he was famous Moses. Uh, this is before he was leading millions of people and he was standing before the Pharaoh and, and uh, he's crossing the Red Sea. He's standing on the mountain talking to God himself. I mean, this is pre-fame before all of that happened. The truth is, at this part in Moses' life, he's pretty defeated. He's on the backside of the desert, taking care of his family, taking care of the tasks he's given him, working with his father-in-law. He grew up in Pharaoh's home, had the best of teachers, was fed literally with a silver spoon, had every opportunity. And he got to a certain age where he began to have a heart for the Jews that were being oppressed in the kingdom, he being a Jew through an amazing miracle of God, uh, was taken into Pharaoh's home. We won't take time to recount that whole story, but providentially saved by God, taken into Pharaoh's home, grew up as one of Pharaoh's children, as, one of, as a family member to the most powerful man on the planet, richest man on the planet. And he got to be a certain age, and he, he goes out day by day, and he, he realizes he was a Jew, and something begins to move in his heart, and he begins to uh, have a heart for his own people, and, and he wants to do something to help them. But in his foolish youth and hot pride, he tried to do it his way. He didn't seek the Lord. He had no relationship with God that we are told of in the Scripture at that time in his life. He was going to do it his way. And one day he sees two people fighting, and in order to save his countrymen, he kills an Egyptian, murders him. And then he tries to hide the body. Well, he thought surely the Jews would be pleased. Surely they would respect him as a great leader and he would be able to have more influence. No. He became a fugitive. And if he had stayed in Egypt, he would have died. See, he lost everything because he tried to do a good thing in his own way. We do that sometimes, don't we? We have good intentions, but we go about it all wrong. Proverbs 16 tells us, He that handleth the matter wisely shall find good. It's not enough to do the right thing, but we must do the right thing in the right way. Moses runs for his life. He was living in a palace, and now he's sleeping outside. He slept on the best sheets and the best bed and had the most comfortable pillow, and now he's sleeping on the ground with rocks for a pillow. He had fame and fortune, and now he had nothing. There was a price on his head. And his dream died. His dream of helping his countrymen died. And for many years, he just took care of his family, took care of the animals. Day by day went around about his business. 
But see, Moses could still serve God. And I, I don't know where you're at personally right now under the sound of my voice. I don't know what you've been through. Perhaps you grew up in a Christian home and you threw it all away and now you're trying to come back. Perhaps you grew up in the worst of worst situations and this whole Christianity thing is new to you. You've never served Him. We all have challenges. We all have things that are holding us back. But the truth is, if you're still breathing, God's not done with you. He can still use you. He wants to still use you. And Moses had given up on his dream. It must have seemed like a lifetime ago that he had grown up. Perhaps he used to tell his wife stories about what it was like to grow up in Egypt. Perhaps he told his children bedtime stories of a young boy who was saved by a miracle, had everything, and lost it all. But one day Moses is out going about his business, and he sees a bush that's burning. It's on fire, but it's not being consumed. I mean, it's, it's, it's engulfed in flames, but it's not turning to ash. And so he says, I want to go over and see what's going on. And God begins to speak to him out of the bush. And the Lord says, Moses, take off your shoes, for this is holy ground. God talking to him. And God begins to call him to do a great work. Uh, Jehovah God begins to tell him who he is in verse 14. And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. Moses couldn't believe it. He had no connections. He had no power. He didn't have money to speak of. He was taking care of animals on the backside of the desert. And yet God hadn't forgotten where he was. God hadn't forgotten who he was. The Lord begins to call him, but Moses had reservations. Look at Exodus chapter 4 and verse 1. And Moses had answered and said, what's the first word? But. Boy, we use that word in all the wrong places, don't we? I know I should, but. I know you're calling me God, but. I know what I should do, God, but. I know what the Bible says, God, but. I know what I feel in my heart I should do, but. See, this was not Moses standing there at the height of confidence thinking, boy, God, it was a good day when you remembered me. I'm going to walk in there and I'm going to tell Pharaoh who's who. No. The Pharaoh he had grown up with was long gone. The man that had helped take care of him. Moses had reservations. He said, I can't serve you because fill in the blank. And I wonder what your excuse is. I wonder what you say, God, I can't serve you because what? Too young, too old, too busy, don't know what to do, not trained, that's beneath me. I mean, what, whatever it is, we've all got our, our justifications. And the truth is, if you're looking for a reason to not serve God, you're going to find a multitude of them. You'll never lack a reason 
to disobey the Lord. As your flesh and the devil have them all prepared. But they're like cheap templates. Because the names change and the stories change, but the excuses are the same. And what we need to do is get our eyes off of our excuses and put them on the Lord. Moses said, but behold, they will not believe me. Now, God already dealt with that. He said, they said, well, they're not going to know that you sent me. And he said, well, tell them who sent you. Boy, that name has power. Moses didn't realize at the time how much power that name had, but I am that I am. It's a powerful name. And there, there was excuse after excuse. And Moses again says, but they will not believe me, nor hearken unto my voice, for they will say, the Lord hath not appeared unto thee. And I like this. I like the practicality of our Lord and His wisdom. Verse 2, And the Lord said unto him, What is that in thine hand? And he, Moses, said, A rod. See, Moses was looking at all the reasons why he couldn't serve God. I don't have power. I don't have connections. I don't have people. I don't have prestige. I don't have fame. I don't have wisdom. There's a price on my head. Moses was looking at all the things he didn't have. And God said, but what do you have? And Moses said, a rod. Just a walking stick. A shepherd's staff. But what God was teaching him is, Moses, if you give me that rod, it becomes more than a rod. And later on in the scriptures, it's called the rod of God. You know why? Because Moses gave it to God. This is the rod that you'd throw it on the ground and turn into a snake. Moses would reach down and pick it up again and it would turn back into a rod. This is the rod that's a dead piece of wood that budded. This is the rod that Moses would hold up between the heaven and the earth and God would work miracles. This was the rod of God. But it didn't start out as the rod of God. It started out as just a rod. And what the simple truth I want to give to you tonight is stop looking at what you don't have and just give God what you do have. God doesn't, God's not worried about what you don't have. He's got it all. He has everything. But what he doesn't have, a lot of, are people with willing hearts. People with surrendered souls. God can use anybody who surrenders. He said, I don't have a lot of money. What do you have? Got hands. God says, I can make those the hands of God. I don't have a lot of connections. What do you have? I got a mouth. And God says, I can fill it with the words of God. It's not what you don't have, it's what you do have. You know, I love the fact that even when God looks at a church, God's not looking at the people that aren't here tonight, He's looking at the people that are here. God's not looking at the money you don't have, He's looking at the money you do have. That's why in the widow's might, she gave far less than them all, a measly sum. But in the estimation of God, it was more than they all gave. Why? Because He was looking at what she had 
She gave it all. And what God needs is just people who are willing to give him what they have. Well, I'm not a good, I'm, I'm not a good speaker. Give him the words you have. Well, I'm, I, I'm not a good teacher. Well, we'll do what you can. And God can take that and use it. See, God has been preparing you your whole life to serve him. Just like Moses. The years on the backside of the desert were not wasted years. God turned them to good. Those years shepherding were not wasted. He was going to shepherd millions of people. The time alone was not wasted. He had to learn to stand alone with an entire nation but a handful of people against him. God used all of these things to prepare Moses, and God has been preparing you your whole life to serve him. I mean, the good times, God's been preparing you. The bad times, God's been preparing you. The, the terrible hurts, God can use those. The nights you wish you had back that have caused so much turmoil, if you give them to God, he can make that dead rod to bud. He can bring life out of death. He's been preparing me to serve him my whole life. God is more concerned with your availability than your ability. There's a lot of people that have talent and they don't use it properly. But how many people are available? How many people say, here, my Lord, send me? God's more interested in your availability than your ability. Isaiah 6, 8 says, And I, also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. There were probably more popular people than Isaiah, perhaps better speakers, perhaps people that knew the scrolls better. But Isaiah is the one that said, Here I am. There's better preachers than me. There's better pastors than me. There's better orators. There's better all of that. But years ago, I just said, here, my Lord. Those of you that work in ministry today, there was a time when you said, I'll never be able to teach a Sunday school class, and yet today you do. There was a time when you said, I'd never be able to work in that junior church, but today you do. I'd never work on a bus route, but today you do. I could never win a soul to Christ, but you witnessed somebody this week. Why? Because you've got to just give God what you have. And what, when you take your eyes off yourself, see, when you're looking at yourself, all you can see is what you don't have. Or you look at yourself and you have too high of an estimation, that's pride. There are people, and it's hard to believe, but there are Christians that say, I'd never be a preacher, I need to make money. Despising the work of God. There are people that say, I'd never be a soul, and I don't want people to think I'm one of those kooks. Despising the work of God. I'd never work in the nursery, I've I've done my job changing diapers, I'm not going to take care of those kids. Despising the work of God. That's pride, my friend. If Jesus Christ himself knelt down on his knees and washed the feet of his own disciples, there's no job too small for you and I. The creator of the universe, cleaning the scum off of his creation's feet. Now, whatever you want, Lord. 
I'll wash every toilet, mop every floor, vacuum every carpet, wash every vehicle, talk to every person. What do you need? Because there's nothing too small for me. It's pride if you look at yourself and say, I'm too good for that. But it's also pride and folly if you look at yourself and say, I can't do that. The truth is, we're not supposed to be looking at ourselves anyway. We're supposed to be looking to God. When we look at ourselves, we see what we don't have, what we lack. But when we look at God, we see everything He has. And when we give God what we have, He's able to take it and use it and miraculously use it for His good. Just like that plain old rod that became the rod of God. It's a terrible thought that most talented people don't serve God. Think about that. Most talented people don't serve God. They don't stoop to that. You know, the best singers often don't sing in church. The best teachers often refuse to teach class. Those that have skills to work on vehicles often don't. Just fill in the blank. I mean, whatever it is. See, when we have talent, we've got to be careful to humble ourselves and give that talent to God. But don't, don't you look at yourself and say, well, I'm not talented, so I can't serve God. No, 1 Corinthians chapter 1 tells us that not many mighty are called, not many noble. The truth is God calls flawed people to do His work. He calls people that need Him and understand they need Him. God doesn't need superstars. He needs servants. And you say, well, I could never be a superstar. I could never be this or that. No, but you could be a humble servant that comes to the Lord and says, here am I. God, I don't know what I could do. And God says, what's that in your hand? And just give him what's in your hand. And he can use it. You say, well, I don't know if I could do that. A powerful thought. Consider this. God grants the power when I yield to him. God grants the power when I yield to him. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12 says, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who hath enabled me for that he counted me faithful, putting me in the ministry. See, the enabling comes from Christ. But the enabling happens after you obey. You understand when I surrendered to preach, I had never preached What if I said, I can't be a preacher because I don't know how to be a preacher? And that's what I did say. But no, what I found out is that God gives the power after you surrender. God calls you to do something. And then after you say yes and you surrender, then he gives you the power. And then he gives you the training. If you sit back and say, I'm not going to do anything out of my comfort zone unless you empower me now. I have full confidence. I have total understanding. Then I'll do it. You will never do anything for God. It's the steps of faith. When I decided to be a soul winner, I had never won a soul to Christ. But why would God give you soul winning power when you're not trying to win souls? Why would God give you preaching power when you're not trying to preach? Why would God help you get massive answers to prayer when you're not praying consistently? Why would God show you the riches of His Scripture when you don't read your Bible? The power comes after we yield and we obey. 
So give God what you have. Don't say, I can't because. Say, God, I don't have much. But whatever I have, it belongs to you. And I'll give you the last thought. The thought, main thought is you can serve God. Then we talk about two ingredients to serve God. Number one, give God what you have. That's easy enough. If you humble yourself, you get past the fear. Give God what you have. And then secondly, add what you don't have. Let me show you a verse. Look at 2 Peter chapter 1. And look at verse 5. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith. Let's say that phrase together. Add to your faith. Say it again. Add to your faith. Now look at me. When you get saved, you give God faith. Right? You believe, God saves you. Then you start walking by faith. Some people stop at the faith of salvation. They say, well, I have faith, that's enough. But the Bible says, add to your faith. You begin adding to your faith. And then what does it say? It gives you several things. Uh, Look at it. Add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness. Verse 7, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. There's seven things that we're supposed to add after we have faith. We begin adding these things to our faith. So the thought is, you can serve God, you can make a difference, but you've got to do two things. First, give Him what you have. And then secondly, add what you don't have. This is on-the-job training. This is while you're in the path to serving, you begin adding things. You say, Lord, teach me. Lord, I want to learn more Scripture. Lord, I want to have more character. Lord, I want to do these things. Here's a mistake we make. Some people say, well, I'm going to add to my faith, and then one of these days I'll give God what I have. The process doesn't start until you give God what you have. You don't become the great Moses standing on Mount Sinai talking to God, and then you say, okay, God, now you can have my rod. You have to first say, when you're down and out, when you're overwhelmed, when the task looks far bigger than anything you could accomplish, when you look at what God's asking you to do and you say, wow, I don't know if I can do that. That's when you say, God, you can have whatever I've got. Talking about tonight. Tonight you say, God, I'll give you what I have. Maybe I've just got a rod. But see, once you give God the rod, He begins His work. And he begins enabling, and he unleashes his power, and he begins teaching and training. Moses became who he was after he gave God everything he had. You can't look at some mature Christian and say, well, I can't serve God because I'm not like them. Well, they weren't like that 10, 15, 20 years ago either. There was a time in their life where they stood right where you stand and they said, Lord, I don't have much and I don't know if I can do anything for you. There was a time when they said, Lord, you can have my rod. And then they grew and they grew. And on the path, they added to their faith and they learned this lesson and they became this and they added virtue and all of these things. And nowadays you look at them and say, wow, that's a. That's a Christian. 
Wow, I wish I could do what they do. I can't look at a 70-year-old preacher and get discouraged and say, well, I wish I was that wise. I'll never get there if I don't give my life to him now. And a 20-year-old preacher can't look at a 43-year-old preacher and say, man, I'm discouraged because I'm not there. I wasn't there at 20 either. And so wherever you are, you, you, you can't look at Mrs. Sherman and say, man, she's like the children whisperer. She just like speaks and these kids just like go into a trance and, yes, yes, Mrs. Sherman, yo, yes. And, and that's not how it works, though, is it? You wish, you wish it was, don't you? But she's been, she's been working with children for 147 years. Not quite that long, right? She's been at this a long time. You can't look at Miss Martha in the nursery and say, wow, she's, she's got this nursery thing down. She's been at it a long time. But what you can do is say, I'll start working in the nursery. What you can do is say, I'll start working with kids now. And see, I could go around the whole room. Give God what you have. Then the power comes. And along the way, you add what you don't have. Simple, isn't it? So simple. And yet, if you never learn that, five years from now, you'll be in the same pew with the same life only you'll have lost five years or ten or twenty or perhaps the Lord comes back tomorrow but all you can do is give God what you have and then add to it on the way this would fundamentally not only change your life, but our church. I'm talking about every teenager in the room saying, I'm going to give God what I have. Every young person, every 20, 30-year-old, 40, 50-year-old, 60, 70-year-old, I'm going to give God what I have. I don't know how many years I have left. I don't, I don't, I don't know what I can do, but I'm going to give God what I have. And then start walking the path and trust God to fill in the blanks. Let's pray. Father, thanks for the truth today. We ask you, Lord, help us learn this simple truth. You asked Moses, what do you have in your hand? He said, a rod. But oh, how that rod became mighty. Lord, help us to give you what we have in our hand. Then, Lord, as we walk the path and the power comes and we begin learning this on-the-job training, you'll add to us what we don't have. we got to start somewhere. But Lord, give us an army of people here at our church that are willing to serve you, that just do what they can. They start the process. And, Lord, so we can do more and reach more people than ever before as we just humbly offer ourselves to you. Help us to learn the lesson that Moses had to learn before he became the great Moses history records. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. What if you're here tonight? Have you given God what you have?
or are you giving him excuses? Stop saying I can't and ask how can I? Stop saying I won't and say here am I. You can tell God that it's just a rod. That it's not much. Then you begin obeying God and he says throw it on the ground and you see a miracle happen. And soon you're doing things you never thought possible. Give God what you have. Don't stop there. Add what you need along the way. Let's stand. As the piano plays, the altar's open if God spoke to your heart. Give God what you have. Don't look at you. Don't look at what you have or don't have. Look to Him. Your job is to surrender. He provides the power. You yield. He provides the know-how. God's more interested in your availability than your ability. He can make the lame to walk, the blind to see, the deaf to hear. He can help you do what you need to do and be what you need to be, but what He needs is a willing heart. Surrendered soul.